you. Matthew chapter 9. Here in Aaron chapter 9, you know, um, Jesus is uh, uh, doing a lot of, a lot of uh, miracles. And here in chapter 9, he continues to do that. Um, we're going to see him uh, heal a person. And uh, when you think of healing, when I think of healing, you know, um, I think of the, the, the physical aspect, you know. And um, I bet you guys do as well. But as we'll see here, um, what is expected of Jesus isn't uh, what he gives the healing he gives to this man isn't the healing that everyone wanted or expected him to, to heal him of. You know, our God isn't a, a God of, uh, I guess, normal thinking. He is, he is far above our thoughts, and, and our ways are, are not uh, his ways. Um, he will far and above exceed our every desire and our every need. If you lay your life at his feet, he, he is your creator. He's your maker, and um, doesn't that doesn't that bring you comfort? I know it does to me, to me my family, and, and in those times of difficulty, uh, when he um, he will give us uh, the love to to heal you, he will give you those those precious words to uh, to heal you as well, and he'll give you the strength to um, to physically walk uh, through those hard places in in our lives. I think the key to all this is faith, um, though. Uh, do we have enough? Do we believe that God can move uh, the way he says uh, in his word? You know, in some people's lives, it's very evident. It's very clear, right, that they, they believe. They believe uh, that they have a lot of faith. Their actions, their words, uh, they separate themselves uh, from the crowd. The way they react to things that, that happen in their lives is, uh, is so clear that they believe that God is working and God is moving. Um, people who, uh, you know, will go the extra mile to do something for the Lord, out of reach uh, and out of um, just in obedience to him. And they'll show their faith even when others don't. Uh, they don't agree or they'll stand alone in, um, in their convictions. Here in, and here in this chapter, we're going to see um, faith, faith proven by these individuals, a faith that didn't let anything get in the way of bringing someone to Jesus. I pray that as we go through these first, just eight verses here in, in chapter 9, that you see what the Lord has shown me. Your faith can save souls. Your forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ can save multitudes of people for the glory of God. Is it agree? Let's read um, Matthew chapter 9, verse, uh, one, verses 1 through 8. Let's follow along. Does anyone need a Bible? I forgot to mention that. No? Okay. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. It says, So he got in the boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, 
or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And then he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw, saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. You know, at the end of chapter 8, uh, Jesus had been, uh, they begged him to leave the country of, uh, I'm not sure how to say it, Gergesenes, I think that's the way, I'm not sure, which brings him uh, to his own city, Capernaum, where most of his uh, ministry uh, takes place. In chapter 2 of Mark, it says that um, this is Capernaum where he's at. In verse 2, he says, it says, Behold, uh, they brought him a paralytic man lying on a bed. They meaning men, uh, men brought him a paralytic man. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that four men brought him to Jesus. And in this Gospel, it doesn't really um, give all the background to, the, to this event. In the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 5, 18 through 26, and the Gospel of Mark, um, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it gives the same, same event but in more detail. So if you guys um, want to read that later, um, you guys can. But in the other in um, in the other gospels, it clearly states that these um, four men didn't just bring him to Jesus and, and lay him before him. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; um, that did require require some faith for them to bring him to Jesus, carrying the paralytic man and not knowing how far they traveled, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and all those details uh, that did re- that that did require faith of them. The faith that these men showed uh, was much more than that. You know, first of all, Jesus was preaching the word in a house. Uh, so, you know, there was a mass amount of people there. And it probably wasn't uh, that big of a house. And, and these men wanted to get in. It says in the Gospel of Mark that many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them at the door. So here is where um, these men separate themselves from the crowd. They had some decisions to make. You know, what do we do? Uh, you know, we brought this paralytic man here, but we can't get in. You know, this man needs help. We can, we can wait for Jesus to, to finish. We can come back, or we can leave him here, and maybe he can get help by himself uh, when Jesus is done teaching. Those are pretty lame choices, right? Pretty lame choices. I, I would probably choose those if I was there. But really, how much do we believe in Jesus and what he can do? Jesus would have, would have probably still healed the man when he was done, but these guys, these four guys, uh, they're different. They saw the opportunity to see God glorified. They had faith. Instead of giving up, instead of waiting, they took action. They set out to accomplish their goal. They were by any means possible going to put this man before Jesus now and not later. So, um, you know what these crazy, passionate, extreme guys did? Um, in chapter, um, in Mark chapter 2, it says, And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through the roof, they let, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Extreme actions, right? They cut a hole in the roof to let this man down. But they saw something. They saw the urgency of the situation. There's always those situations, right, where there's urgency. 
they needed to get this man before Jesus. And for some reason, they weren't going to uh, let the crowd or, or whatever else, whatever other obstacle it was, get in the way of God glorifying himself by healing this man. How often do we let that happen? How often do I let this happen? How often do I, do I, how often do I get discouraged or turn away from a situation and not take the extra step to get through it in order that, that God can move and to get to that goal where we glorify God? You know, we, we are his sons and his daughters, and we have to understand that if we are, that we are going to get obstacles in our lives in front of us, especially when we're obeying him, especially when we're obeying him. But that's all they are. They're, they're all obstacles. They're all barriers, hurdles. But the goal's still there, right? The goal's still there. How often do we think that these situations that somewhat in, impede us are a direct message from God saying to stop? You know, I'm so guilty of that. I, and I wish and, and I'm praying that I get to the point that, you know, someone has to almost grab me and let me know that that God's not in this. That this isn't what God wants. It kind of seems safer to me to be on that side of the table. I mean, uh, my motives, you know, our motives and everything would have to be lined up with God's word. But it seems better to, to be stopped than to stop yourself from doing God's work. You know, I hope you understand what I mean. I hope you understand what I mean. To have that balance between really knowing the goal of being a servant of the Lord and really knowing when to turn away. I know, I know for sure that the Lord is saying, you know, now is not the time. You know, these four, four men, think about it. They had to make their way on, on top of the house somehow raise uh, this man, this paralytic man, up there also. Who's ever carried a full-grown man? I hope not, full-grown man. You can imagine how hard it was to, to hoist him up there, right? Even though there's four. And once they were up on top, they had, they had to break through the roof of the house. Not, not just a, a small hole, but a hole big enough to, to fit, fit this man through. I'm sure they brought all the proper tools for the job too, right? No way. They, they didn't have anything. They didn't have one of those, uh, you guys seen those saws before that firemen used to cut holes in roofs? They, they didn't have one of those. I've always wanted to use one, by the way. Never had the chance. But once they were on top of the roof, you know, they had to break through. Um, it was just their, their, their mission that day. To get through, you know, they just broke through any any way possible using anything they could use as a tool, you know, bare hands, anything, to get this man inside to Jesus. You know, one other thing that they didn't even worry about was, you know, the the owner of the house. <laughs> if you were the owner of the house, what would you think? You know, the the you had the enjoyment of of having Jesus teach there, and in your home, and when while he's teaching, you know, you hear footsteps on the roof, and uh, then you hear banging and all kinds of noise, and imagine watching these men tear a hole 
to your what? Now, I would be upset. I would be upset. You know, it, it wouldn't matter who came through. I would probably be upset still. But um, it's just their their desire to do what the Lord put in front of them. Have you seen that in people's lives? People having the desire to do whatever possible to glorify God. Anyways, these guys were were dealing with uh, they didn't they were going to deal with the effects of their faith, no matter what it was. You know, this man getting upset at them, people trying to stop them from getting on the roof. And sometimes uh, you might upset people, right? Following the Lord. Sometimes you might have to take it to the extreme. You're not breaking the law or anything, but just doing what the Lord has you to do. In the in the second part of, of Matthew two, Matthew nine, sorry, chapter nine, verse two, in the second half, um, says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Son, be of good cheer; your sins are forgiven you." You know, this answer from Jesus probably wasn't the one everyone was expecting, right? It definitely probably wasn't, especially to these four men. You know, more likely than not, they wanted Jesus to heal this man of, of his physical infirmity. They wanted this man to be healed so they wouldn't have to carry him back home. This isn't, uh, but it isn't. Isn't this just like our Lord, though? Doing what we don't see to heal this man from the inside. And, you know, sometimes we don't see what the most, what is the most important thing in people's lives. You know, we look to give them an earthly fix to heal them from, um, you know, the physical things to so they can live in this world. But we forget about healing them and preparing them for the eternal. You know, all, all of these sicknesses and, and diseases have, have a root in sin, have their root in sin. You know, you're not sick because of your sin, but everything that weakens us is a result of sin. You know, I like that song um, that says, uh, give me your eyes that I can see. We don't see like God sees. You know, these people weren't looking at, at this at this uh, paralyzed man like Jesus was. Jesus was search, searching the innermost part of this man's heart to heal him of his sins. And uh, Jesus wanted to free this man of those 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 deep chains, chains, that held this man captive. You know, it wasn't the, the paralyzation that held this man down. It was the sin that gripped this man. You know, unforgiveness was the medicine that this man needed, which Jesus could provide. What do you guys think about forgiveness? You know, it's something a lot of people have trouble with, right? Forgiveness giving it you know it's easy to receive but like i said it's hard to give out like we're supposed to you know jesus gave it so freely you guys see that right he just gave it to this man he's called him a son child be of good cheer be of good courage your sins are forgiven now here here's a statement i read about forgiveness Forgiveness. 
One of the great blessings made available through the death of Jesus is that people can know themselves to be forgiven by God, free of the guilt which would otherwise hold them apart from him. Just as forgiveness is a central feature of the relationship between God and humanity, so it is to characterize relationships between people. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. So it's true. When you, when you have a chance to, to genuinely give out forgiveness and that person you forgive receives it with joy, you know, that relationship is much stronger, right? A lot stronger than before. You know, it's when you don't give it out. And, you know, that's when you get down to, to more damage being done. When you have the opportunity to let someone go of their sin against you, we need to, to take it. You know, if you don't, if, if you harbor unforgiveness inside of you, you are going to do damage not only to the person who sinned against you, but more damage to yourself. You know, not, not forgiven is, is disobedience, right? Not forgiven is disobedience, and disobedience is sin. It's fairly simple. You know, we need to, get, we need to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. Here's, here's a quote by somebody. I'm not sure. It's unknown. <laughs> to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. You know, er, early in my walk with the Lord, I had the, you know, Crazy stuff happening and when I had to forgive someone. And when I had the chance to forgive someone. You know, this is pretty big, so the Lord dealt with me in that era fairly early in my life with him. He dealt with me that time. It's still hard, um, but it's not something that I, I fight against. You know, I see it. You know, the, the only thing I, I can't understand about forgiveness or have trouble, you know, getting my hands around is that he has forgiven me. You know, you know sometimes I, I think about all the things I've done. It's not good to dwell on those things either. But all the things I've done to a God that, that made me, that gave me life, you know, it, it breaks my heart. But when I think about all the things... Uh, about all the things that, that you've done as well and will do and continue to do because um, we're, we're sinners. But the, all those things put a distance between us and the Lord. All, all has been forgiven and will continue to be forgotten through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's all about the love of our God. No matter how much you, you forget about him, you know he loves you. No matter how much you disobey him, he will continue to love you. You know, just receiving the gift that he's given to us, and he will continue to forgive you freely. It, it all has been paid through, through Jesus Christ. Here's some references. Um, Jeremiah 31:34. It says, "No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every brother, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me." For the, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive, I will forgive their iniquity, 
and their sin I will remember no more. Colossians 1, chapter 1, 12 through 14. It says, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that awesome? Let's read verses uh, in chapter 9, verses 3 through 5 again. It says, And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? You know, these, these scribes at once began to, to accuse Jesus of, of blasphemy within themselves. They reasoned in their hearts, how can this man, how this man could forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were thinking these things of Jesus, not knowing who Jesus was. The word, the word uh, blaspheme there means to slander, to speak lightly or profanely of sacred things. But again, Jesus searches them out from the inside, like the paralytic man, and knowing their thoughts addresses them. Why do you think evil in your hearts? Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Jesus caught them before they even could say a word. He knows our thoughts, and he knew their thoughts. Right then and there, they should have known that this man had power. The power to see what no man could see, the innermost thoughts. It's, it's so awesome to, to serve a God that knows what we feel and that knows what we're thinking even, right? The way he talks to us, the things he shows us, uh, clearly are evidence that he is everything the Bible says he is. Omnipresent, always everywhere, omniscient. Omnipotent, he's almighty, all-knowing. You know, th- these attributes are, are somewhat intimidating, right? But I think they're supposed, they're supposed to be. Um, they're comforting in times when we need him, you know, times of necessity, but they're, they're also um, kind, of, kind of scary a little bit. You know, when we're not where we're supposed to be, when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, you know, he's there. God is number one on the, the accountability list. He keeps us accountable. They're, they're, he is the first one to let us know what, what we're doing wrong. You know, through, through the Holy Spirit, you know, conviction, those things, he's the first one. Jesus ends up telling them, you know, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to, to rise up and walk? Both of these healings, the forgiveness of, of the man's sin and the physical healing, you know, are impossible through man. The difference is, is the effects of the healing. The, the forgiveness of sins, there's no evidence, you know, visually that it was performed, you know, with the naked eye. You know, no one knew whether it truly took place or not in the man's life. Um, but with the physical healing, there was, there was immediate evidence. 
right then and there you could tell you know whether uh, Jesus had power or not even the reaction to the healings was different also when Jesus said your sins are forgiven people were like okay should we clap or no they they probably there probably was no reaction but when this man got up and walked the people tripped out they marveled at what happened you know, the sequence of the healings, too, was important to show that these people in the house, including the scribes, the authority that Jesus had to forgive sins. Let's read the, the verses 6 to 8 again. It says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. But that you may know that you can see that I have the power to forgive. The fact that Jesus healed this man from his physical infirmity proves that he did heal this man of his sins. common sense i mean jesus didn't have to do anything extra for these for these people in the house forgiving this man of his sins was enough you guys agree forgiving the sins of his, this man of his sins was enough he could have walked away and said you know oh, oh well don't believe choose not to believe you know scribes choose not to believe either and no one could have proven whether he did it or, or didn't forgive this man of his sins but he didn't walk away. He proved that he had authority to forgive sins by healing this paralyzed man. If this man didn't get up and walk, they would have been you know, like that forgiveness of sins thing was bogus. You know, he can't even forgive this or, or heal this man of his infirmity. That forgiveness of sins doesn't matter. He has no power. But what the man do? He did get up and walk, right? He did get up. He was healed. And it says in the other Gospels that he immediately rose up and walked away carrying his bed. There was proof. There was proof that Jesus had authority. You know, the multitude saw it and marveled and glorified God. It's awesome, right? They marveled and glorified God. I thought it was awesome. But, you know, um, I, re- I read this commentary and, and what he brought up, he brought up a good point. That, that I thought I should share. In the last part of verse 8, it says that they glorified God, good, who had given such power to men. That's not good. You know, here, here's what the commentary said. It says, But they completely missed the significance of the miracle. The visible healing of the paralytic was designed to confirm that the man's sins had been forgiven. An invisible, an invisible miracle. From this, they should have realized that they had witnessed was not a demonstration of God-given authority to men, but of God's presence among them in the person of Jesus Christ. But they didn't understand. We probably would have missed it too, right? We probably would have missed it. These miracles should have been given, should have given Jesus his authority that was due to him. It's crazy sometimes, you know, how people need need proof 
to believe things. You know, like Thomas, unless I, unless I uh, see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into his side, I will not believe. You know, but even as, as Christians, um, sometimes we need proof too. Like when, when there's an altar call and people say, you know, the sinner's prayer and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we'll be like, okay, they said the prayer, but, but I, need, I need proof. You know, are, are they really saved? And I know there's an element, you know, we're all called to be fruit inspectors, right? And we need to keep them accountable and help them along in their walk. But are we like these scribes and these people in this house who need to see the physical, the outward change in order to believe that their sins were forgiven? And I pray we don't. I pray that I don't need that evidence or take away anything from the authority that Jesus has for dying on the cross. You know, I know we need to, to keep each other accountable in our walks. Do you want God to be glorified? You know, I do. I, w- I want people to know that Jesus died for me and that my sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. And the only way some people... Some people can believe is to see the proof. It's for me to to get up and walk. Like this paralyzed man. Rise up like this paralyzed man and let them remember how I used to be. And to make that crippled man who was dying. We were dying in our sins, right? We were dying to walk completely changed for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Uh, we're going to end really early tonight. In, in conclusion, there was proof of faith, you know, by these men. You know, the faith of these men, and there was proof. Do you guys see the proof of their faith? Them cutting through the through the roof and everything, and laying this man down. There was proof of their faith, and our faith can also save many, just like these men. If there's proof of it, when we display it, and there was a proof of our, the proof of our forgiveness, of our sins forgiven, rising up and walking with our Lord will prove that we have genuinely received forgiveness from God. You know, all this in the end, you know, I, I would say it's just giving Jesus authority, the authority of our lives, over our lives, authority over Everything, giving him everything. And giving him everything will save many. And here's a reference um, John 5 21 to 23. It says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Who does not honor the Son, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Well, I hope you guys are blessed, guys. And, you know, this is one of the, one of the, the, the studies that, or one of the sections of Scripture the Lord keep, keep 
he kept bringing back, you know, constantly and constantly. And sometimes, we, you know, the Lord uses that for, does that for certain reasons. And uh, I'm sure he does that with you too, right? But to me, you know, not that proven everything is, is uh, proven thing is everything. But it does uh, add to what the Lord's doing in your life. People can see. People are watching, unfortunately. But that's an advantage sometimes, right? It's definitely an advantage um, if we're for obedient. Okay, let's pray, guys. Lord, we come before you, Lord. Just thanking you again, Lord, for, for being our God, Lord. And, uh, thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, praying for, for all my brothers and sisters here, Lord, praying that you do a work in their lives, Lord. That we may honor you, Lord, every every minute of the day, Lord. That we may give you the authority that you that you need, Lord. Praying also, Lord, for uh, just uh, our relations with you, Lord, our, our individual relations with you. I pray that you, uh, that we strengthen them, Lord, that we spend time with you, Lord, every day, Lord, that we uh, give everything to you, Lord. Praying that you do a work in our lives, Lord. Praying that you do a work in this this body of believers here, Lord. Um, praying for, for the unbelievers, Lord. I pray that you show yourself to them, Lord, that they see what you can do in their lives, Lord. Just thanking you so much, Lord. And, and, and again, Lord, praying for our brothers and sisters, Lord, in Cambodia, Lord, that you uh, give them rest, Lord, give them strength, Lord. And I, I thank you, Lord, for, for their faith displayed, Lord, in, in, in this time, Lord. We honor you, Lord, and we pray that you just uh, move in our hearts, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.